Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for being so, so good to us, Lord. Thank you, God, that you give us the sunshine and the rain. And thank you, Lord, for like what the Bible says, you daily load us with benefits. God, our heart's desire is that today you would pour out your spirit to us, continue to do that. And Father, may our hearts reflect this Sabbath upon that heavenly land that is awaiting us. Lord, let us just be just heavenly-minded today as we celebrate the Sabbath. And thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Very good. All right. Today we're going to be going through the Bible. Amen? Amen. Do not get distracted by what I am wearing. When I walked up here, I could hear the little whispering going on. But... Uh, it is International Sabbath, as you might have uh, seen, and this is a, a, just a time we really want to celebrate the diversity uh, that's part of God's kingdom. Amen? The Bible says that the gospel does go out to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and that's the Pledge of Allegiance for Seventh-day Adventists. That's the three angels' message. And that's what's so beautiful about this message. And one of the reasons why I'm a Christian today is because the message went out to a young Indian man several years ago. The reason why you are Christians today is because the gospel has gone out to you. God is good, right? And today we're going to be learning something very powerful. God really impressed upon my mind this last week and a half the story of the book of Exodus. I've been learning so much. I've been just blown away by the wonderful gems that are in that book. God is really guiding his people. And it's very important for us that as Jesus is about to return, like, like the Israelites of old, we are aware of what God is up to. Or we might miss the boat. God is calling us today to be ready for these things. Also, just a reminder, we do have that meeting from 4 to 5. If you're interested in being part of the Patterson uh, leadership uh, group, please come on out. This is going to be an exciting time. I just heard some wonderful news last week. And just to let you know that this is God behind this movement. As we've begun to make preparations for this church plant that's about to begin, I don't know if you saw it, last week, the front page, I believe, of Modesto B said this. A business has just purchased 90 acres to begin building what's going to be the biggest building in Stanislaus County in Patterson, California. Purchased 90 acres, it's going to be twice the size of the Amazon building. Hundreds of jobs are going to come in. So it seems like a lot of businesses are targeting Patterson at the same time that we are doing evangelism there. God is moving ahead of us, amen? And this is very important for us to be, just to be mindful and watching for indications of divine providence as we continue to share the gospel. All right, today's sermon is called Border Patrol, Border Patrol. It actually has nothing to do with International Sabbath, as I had, I had actually done the uh, sermon title without realizing uh, what the Sabbath was about, but there is no connection there. Um, the name of the sermon is called Border Patrol, but it's going to be taking us in an unusual direction. When you read the book of Exodus, what is so remarkable about this book is that it's describing the story of the Israelites. The Israelites were in slavery hundreds of years. God raised up a man by the name of who, ladies and gentlemen? Moses. Do you know what the word Moses means? It means drawn out. Someone who is drawn out, right? Right? 
And so when you think even the Babylon, the call out of Babylon means to come out. Moses was somebody who was drawn out, drawn out of the water. His life was preserved. And he was raised as a Hebrew for 12 years, and then he went to Pharaoh's palace where he was being groomed to be the very next king of Egypt. Like the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses did not see himself as someone who belonged to Egypt, but he recognized that the people of God were suffering and they needed to be delivered. And so Moses, in his uh, immature way, attempts to deliver the children of Israel and ends up making not only enemies of the Egyptians, but the Hebrews themselves despise Moses. And so Moses flees around the age of 40, and here he is in the desert. For 40-something years, Moses is there, unlearning all the things that he had learned in Egypt, unlearning his, the ways and the attitudes and the methods of Egypt, and here he is, he's learning to be just this quiet shepherd. And this is where the journey for us begins. Everybody take your Bible. And we are going to, we're actually going to skip this video. We're going to go it. to Exodus chapter 3. Take your Bible. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Okay, very good. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Okay, there we go. Exodus chapter 3. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Exodus chapter 3. Notice what the scripture says right here. When it seems as if one chapter, or you can say the whole book of Moses closed, when he had uh, caused the problems that he did in Egypt, the book was not over yet. God still had extra chapters in the life of Moses. And it almost, um, when you read chapter 3, it almost sounds as if there is some kind of twist now. Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, when everything seems to be calm and peaceful. And Moses, he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb. This is verse 2, I believe. Moses here had been a shepherd for Jethro. He didn't even own his own sheep, the Bible says. And one day he was leading out all these sheep, look what the Bible says next, to the back of the what? Just read it right there. The back of the what? Desert. Now notice this. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It just seems like an ordinary day with ordinary work, ordinary weather. Look what happens next. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of what? Fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not what? Consumed. Think of all the ways that God desired to get the attention of Moses on that day. He could have used anything. He could have sent lightning bolts. He could have had some, you know, talking donkey come up and begin speaking to him. But this is the unusual way God begins to speak to Moses. Look what the Bible says. And behold, the bush was burning with fire. That's nothing ordinary. But what was not, what was not ordinary was the fact that it was not being what? Consumed. In other words, the plant was not dying. And so he's watching this, and he's just paying attention. You can just imagine him kind of pacing, and he's seeing that the bush continues to stay on fire, and it's not burning up. Look what happens next. He looked and uh, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. 
So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, now notice this, God was waiting for this opportunity. God called out to him from the midst of the bush and said this, Moses, Moses, and he said this, here I am. Now watch the words of God to him. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is what? Holy ground. Now just think about this. God captured Moses' attention, and it seems to be in waiting for this moment. And as Moses is there, he stops and he says, wait a minute, I want to check this out. So he begins to check it out. And all of a sudden, this mysterious voice comes out of this bush. Moses. Moses. And Moses says, I'm here. And the very first thing he says to him is, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. The King James says, do not draw near. Notice this. God didn't appear in this huge explosion on the top of the mountain. He didn't appear with this mighty thunder. He appeared in this little shrub that was on fire. And as Moses began to approach, the voice said, keep a distance and take your shoes off. The Bible even says that the angel of the Lord was actually speaking, not God himself. God apparently used some kind of messenger to communicate to Moses. And this small but very dramatic example, Moses begins to encounter God. Now, what is so interesting about this, God received, Moses receives his calling here. Now we're going to take a very interesting turn right here. Moses receives his calling, and he begins to free the children of Israel through the miracles of God. Do you know how many plagues were upon, the children, uh, upon Egypt? Ten. ten. Do you know how many of those ten were upon the Israelites? The first three fell upon everybody, including the Israelites. The last seven fell upon the who? Just the Egyptians alone. When you take a good look at the book of Revelation, you have not ten plagues, you have seven last plagues. And that only falls upon the wicked. It doesn't, not fall, it doesn't fall upon the righteous. But there's something that's very similar to what happened in Egypt. God's people will still experience a little time of trouble before those plagues. And so these three plagues that fell upon everybody was the little time of trouble for the Israelites. It was a time of searching their heart trying to get right with God. And so here God uses these dramatic examples, these plagues, and then the children of Israel are freed. They begin to make their way through the Red Sea. And as they're passing their way through the Red Sea, God wipes out the Egyptians. But the journey continues. And as they cross over to the land, they begin to complain about the leadership of Moses. We didn't sign up for this, but Moses was patient. And Moses says, God is bringing you to a mountain where he is going to speak to you. Take a good look at what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 19. Let's turn there right now. Exodus chapter 19. Again, we are going on a journey and we're leading up to something very powerful. Exodus chapter 19. And let's go to verse 18. Actually, let's go to verse 16. That might be a little bit better for us. Verse 16, if you're there, please say amen. amen. Now watch what the scripture says. Then it came to pass on the what? Third day in the morning that there were what? Thunders, thunderings, lightnings, and a thick what? Cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud. All of a sudden there was... Bum, bum. Something unusual was taking place on this mountain. 
And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the what? Mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended up in, in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder, boom, boom, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Now watch what it says in verse 20. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the what? Top of the what? Top of the what? Mountain. Now watch what happens next. And Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down. Go where? Go down. Turn around, in other words. For the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. This is so interesting, ladies and gentlemen. And what you're going to see is a series of encounters that Moses begins to have on the mountaintop. However, you're going to begin to notice some unusual characteristics now. So instead of a burning bush, the whole mountaintop is on fire. God wanted to speak to his people from a distance because their hearts were not ready still to commune with God, to come close to God. And so what happens is, as they begin to see what's happening with unconsecrated hearts, they begin to get closer and closer and closer. And then God tells Moses, turn around. These people are about to die. For their own sake, turn around and prevent them. They were crossing these boundaries, these lines that God has set up. And so here they were. So Moses turns around and begins to go deal with these Israelites. But take a good look at what it says in chapter 20, the very next chapter, verse 20. Again, we're leading to something very powerful, so make sure you hang on. Chapter 20, verse 20. This is when God speaks the Ten Commandments. If you follow the chronology, God speaks the Ten Commandments. He then gives the Ten Commandments on stone, and then he has Moses, write, he has Moses cut off the tablets again, and he writes them. So almost in three separate ways, Moses gets the Ten Commandments. So God begins to speak the Ten Commandments from the top of Mount Sinai. Look what it says all the way in verse 20. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to what? Test you, and that his fear may be before you, so you do not sin. So the people stood afar off. But Moses drew near the thick what? Darkness where God was. The giant cloud, the smoke that was on top of the mountain. Moses began to come forward. And as he's getting closer and closer, watch what happens next. Verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, You shall say to the what? Children of Israel. And what Moses begins to experience next, ladies and gentlemen, is a set of laws that were designed to help Israel. But now we're fast-forwarding a little bit more. Again, pay attention. You're going to see where this leads. So God begins to have these series of mountaintop adventures with Moses. And so apparently when the children of Israel are still nearby, God is now ready to give the Ten Commandments. Now watch this. Go to your Bible. Go to Exodus chapter 24, okay? You're going to see something very powerful here. Exodus 24. 
Exodus 24. Make sure you're tracking along with the Bible because when we get to those <gasps> aha points, you may miss it because you're not seeing it. Exodus 24. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Now look at verse 9. Here God is now about to give the Ten Commandments right here. Verse 9. Then Moses went up also, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. By the way, they were very corrupt ministers. Yet God still called them up. Watch this. And 70 of the elders of Israel. So now it's not just Moses. God is setting aside leaders. So they begin to go up on the mountain. Watch what happens when they reach a certain distance. And they saw the who? God of Israel. So they are apparently seeing some form of God, not the full glory of God, but watch this. This is amazing. And there was under his what? Feet, as it were, a paved what? Work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its what? Clarity. Notice this. Here they are, the elders and Moses. They're walking up. They get to a certain distance, and they notice a little bit higher this cloud. They notice the smoke, and there they see the feet of God. Amen? Oh, you wouldn't be impressed if you saw the feet of God? Oh, well, I'd be impressed. You're not impressed. Amen? How many people love to see the feet of God? That's better, okay. But notice this. That's all they see. So here they are. They're watching the feet of God, and then they notice something unusual about the feet of God. What's underneath the feet of God? The ground itself was being transformed, and what was it being transformed into? Sapphire stone. But it wasn't just any kind of ordinary sapphire stone. What kind was it? It was so beautiful, it looked like the heavens. So they're watching this sight, okay? Such an unusual sight. God apparently is showing something so unique. The reason why they're seeing the feet here, they're seeing the infinite God of the universe making contact with the earth. And that's all that was permitted to this group of people. But it doesn't stop. Stay in that same passage. Watch what happens next. This is amazing right here. Go to verse 11. But on the nobles, that means the elders of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, they ate and drank. Apparently they had a communion service, a worship service, right then and there as they're looking up a little bit higher. They see God's feet, they see this cloud. Now watch this. Then the Lord said to who? Moses, come up to me on the mountain of there, and I will give you tablets of stone, the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. Verse 13. Then Moses arose with his assistant who? Joshua, Moses went up into the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are here with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. So here, Moses was only able to go a certain distance with these elders. But now God was even calling up higher. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only such a distance the church can bring you. You can only go so far in spirituality with the community. God designs the community to help you to get to a certain level, but God is not satisfied that you stay right there. And so here they are, they're all there waiting, and God says to Moses, Moses, you come up a little bit more. So Moses begins to walk. Now watch what happens. This is so remarkable here. You're going to see something, okay? Look at verse... Um, 
15, then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. So here Moses goes into the cloud, but it's not done. Look what happens. Again, the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it how many days? Six days, six days of the week. And on the, what, seventh day, this wasn't a seventh day, this was actually the seventh day, the seventh day Sabbath. Look at this. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. In other words, Moses was in the cloud for six days. We're told in spirit of prophecy, during that six days, he was searching his heart over and over again to make sure he was right with God. But six days, God had kept him in that cloud, still not into this, this close contact, closer than anybody else, but there was still something else. Watch what happens. This is amazing. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a what? Consuming what? What did Moses originally see? A bush that was not consumed. This time, he's not just watching off in a distance. This time, he's not just keeping several feet away. He's now walking into the cloud, and all of a sudden, the cloud on the seventh day turns into this consuming fire. Do you know what a consuming fire is? What's a con how is a consuming fire different than just fire? Okay, a little bit, a little bit deeper. <laughs> consuming fire is something that is penetrating. It's something that is designed, instead of just like a candle going up, it's something that is going towards the center, trying to fill and reach every part. And so this consuming fire, Moses walks in. First, notice the progression right here. He goes up with this group of people, and then God tells Moses, come up into the cloud. So Moses goes up a little bit higher. He gets into the cloud, then he's waiting, and then all of a sudden he goes even deeper, and now he's in the fire of God himself. And he's dwelling there. Notice what the Bible says next about this scene right here. Verse 18, then he went up into the midst of the cloud, went into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain how many days? 40 days and 40 nights. Do you think he had 40 days and 40 nights of food, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely not. You know what's happening as he's dwelling in the very presence of God? His earthly needs disappear. We're not done yet. While he's in this experience, communing with God, talking to God, the children of Israel begin to rebel. The very moment God was coming closer to any human being at that time, the devil was stirring up the people of God. They built this altar, and God tells Moses immediately, get down, the people are rebelling. Moses gets down. This time he's carrying Ten Commandments, and when he sees the debauchery, he immediately in this divine anger throws down the Ten Commandments and says, you have sinned against God. You have broken his commandments. And then what happens is he said, I'm going to go back on the mountain, and I'm going to go intercede with God. And what happens is he ends up going on to this, going back up to the mountain, and this is very remarkable. Look at Exodus 34, verse 29. When he begins this time of intercession, look what the Bible says when he's coming down again off the mountain. Exodus 34, verse 29. If you're there, say amen. Now it was when Moses came down from where? Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came from the mountain that Moses did not know that his face was what? 
that his face shone. Notice this. While he talked with him. So Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of the face, his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. He's like, what's up, guys? What's going on? And they're like cowering before him, fearful of him. His face was like the face of an angel reflecting the glory of God. I was trying to think about this, and I said, what kind of light is that? And then I looked up, and I looked directly into the sun, okay? There's no light like the sun, but here's the thing. There was no light that compared to what was on Moses' face. He apparently, from this interaction with God, he comes down with this residue. The residue of the glory of God is on his face. He had this communion experience with God. He's interceding with God. In fact, in that particular encounter, he even says, God, show me your glory. And you know what God says to him? I'm going to show you my back. Notice this. Moses first encountered God through an angel of the Lord. Another time he encountered God, he saw his feet. And now he's encountering God, and now he's seeing his back. God is slowly revealing things to Moses. Moses apparently is able to start seeing more of God. In every kind of encounter and trial that seems to be testing him, he is seeing a new attribute of God that was not previously seen prior. Are you listening to me? Are you picking up where this is going? This time, in coming off, he sees the back of God, the skin of his face shone while he talked with him, and the Bible even says he had to put a veil on his face. It was that intense. And so he comes off this experience... And they reached the borders, by the way, from Sinai to the borders of the Holy Land, 11 days. They get there, 11 days. They're about to cross into the Holy Land, and all of a sudden they rebel again. And God tells them, you're going to go in the, you're gonna have to go back, and for 40 years you're going to be in this desert. 11 days it was from Sinai to the borders, which was Kadesh, 11 days. And for 40 years, they wandered around that site. 40 years. This is what unbelief does. And so here they were. They were in this situation. 40 more years Moses had to put up with these people. Talk about patience, amen? You get mad when someone cuts you off on the way to church. 40 years he was there. And it was right the 38th year as he's getting closer to the end, you can imagine, I've been waiting for this. 40 years I was in Egypt. 40 years I was in the desert. 40 years I was with the people of Israel. And now here we go. We're about to go into the Holy Land. And all of a sudden, he ends up sinning with his mouth. And God says, you're not coming in here. You're not coming in here. He says, Moses, you're going to die in the wilderness. And Moses begins to plead with God. He says, Lord, no, let me go in. Let me go in. And God says, do not talk to me anymore about this. And so Moses humbled himself. And then what happens is, right when the children of Israel get to the border, the 40th year, 
God says to Moses, come up to the mountain. You're about to die. Now, he begins to go up to that mountain. Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy. This is so powerful. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Look what the Bible says. This is powerful, you guys. Page 201. Moses here. Tons of years, scores of years he has spent leading the children of Israel. And now he's just getting to the borders to see that he is not coming in. But apparently when he gets up to the mountain, you're going to see something unusual take place. Deuteronomy 34, starting with verse 1. Here they are, the borders of of the Holy Land, and Moses is about to die. But God says, I want to speak to you on the mountaintop. Look what happens. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Fisgah, which is across from Jericho. Now notice this. Here he is. He gets on top of the mountain. He sees the Jordan. He's looking at Jericho. Notice this. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south, the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees as far as Zorah. Now notice this. What he was actually showing him geographically from that spot could not be seen. There was something supernatural happening here. He was apparently seeing beyond mountains. There was a vision happening here where God was actually showing him where the children of Israel would be in the future. Now, this is where it gets even more remarkable. We're actually told in the book Patriarchs and Prophets that when Moses was up on this mountain, this tired old man, and as this heaviness began to come upon him, years after years of leading the children of Israel, and these times, seven times he felt was on top of the mountain with God. And the seventh time, he gets up there. And God is showing him all these things. We're told in patriarchs and prophets that he was actually given a vision of the future. What was the vision? He saw the children of Israel actually going into the Holy Land. But then it didn't just stop there. It fast forward to when they would actually fall into apostasy. It fast forward even more when Babylon would come in and then the children of Israel would be taken away. And then it fast forward even more. Moses is seeing the future unravel. And here he is. He is now seeing the children of Israel returning and building the temple. And then it fast forwards and he sees the stars and he sees the wise men going towards the star and he sees the birth of the Messiah. But it doesn't just stop there. He's watching and as he's watching, he is seeing Jesus grow up. He's seeing Jesus grow up, and it's amazing. But then he sees Jesus rejected by the people, and then he sees Jesus dying on the cross. It doesn't just stop there. He sees Jesus resurrected. Fast forward even more, he sees the early church begin to grow and carry this message to the Gentiles. But it doesn't just stop there. He continues to watch, and all of a sudden, he sees the church begin to mature, fall into apostasy, and then he sees people who claim to be followers of God rejecting his law. He sees a group of people who are standing for the law at the end of time. And all of a sudden, when it seems like they're about to be killed, he sees Jesus come back and deliver his people. But he continues to watch. And as he's watching, he sees the children of Israel, God's people being taken to heaven and then returning to the earth made new. And the gates of New Jerusalem are opened up. And all of a sudden, they're going out. But the scene did not end there. We're told that in that That vision, he was given one last picture. The very last thing he was shown was when Jesus was on the mountaintop and Moses was there 
ministering to him. It almost sounds as if, if, like, here he is, he's seeing all the way till the end of time, but then it rewinds to this very moment where now he's watching and he is seeing Jesus on top of the mountain and he is seeing himself talking to Jesus. That was the very last scene that was left in Moses' eyes. And then he fell asleep and died. Why out of any scene that God would choose to leave with Moses, it would be this scene? I was really pondering that this week. Don dummy. Moses was dying at that moment. And God was ministering to him. And what God was showing him was there's going to come a time where he will minister to God. When he was on that Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible tells us he talked to Jesus of the decease that would happen. He actually encouraged Jesus for the death that was awaiting him. Here Moses had lived this life, this experience, seeing God off at a distance, but now he seems to be embracing God more and more. He first saw his feet, and now he is seeing, he saw the back. And here he is, it seems as if he is going to die on this mountain, and that's the end of the story, but God chose him this. But do you want to know what is so remarkable about this? This is what's so amazing. When Moses would die on that mountain, you know what he would see when he would awake? The Bible tells us in Jude. Jesus himself would be there. He would see the face of God in a glorified form. And everything that God had been revealing to Moses step after step after step after step was all preparation for this moment when he would see God face to face. You know what's so interesting is that in the first encounter Moses spends at that burning bush, it doesn't seem very long. The next encounter, he's up there for a short time. Then the next encounter, he's there 40 days, and even further and longer than that. But this last encounter, he never came off that mountain, never went down. When he went up that mountain, he died, God resurrected him, and took him to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to something much deeper than we might have experienced before. A deeper kind of communion in which we're seeing more and more of who God really is. And as we're seeing this more and more, God is giving us this strength for the trials that we are in. And as we're seeing this more and more, ladies and gentlemen, God is preparing us for the very next step. Every one of these mountaintop encounters was designed to bring Moses to the very next step of his walk with God. And it's a shame when we say, like the children of Israel, keep God at a distance. Keep God over there. I have enough. And God is calling again. And again, he is calling his people. The experience that Moses had 
face to face finally. God wants to give to the children of Israel. He wants to give to you. I love what we're told right here. This is so beautiful. In the contemplation of who? Christ. Now notice this. We linger on a shore of a love that is measureless. In the contemplation of Christ, the communion we have with Christ, we linger upon a shore that has no boundaries. We endeavor to tell of this love, and language fails us. We consider his life on earth, his sacrifice for us, his work in heaven as our advocate, and the mansions he is preparing for those who love him. And we can only exclaim, oh, the height and the depth of the love of Christ. Here is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Behold what manner of love God has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In every true disciple, every true disciple, this love, like what? Sacred fire burns on the altar of the heart. Ladies and gentlemen, are you craving God? Are you desiring God? Are you wanting more of him? God is inviting you. He is not calling you to stay where you're at. We have too long stayed where we're at and we're satisfied with that. And God is saying, come up. Come up higher to where he is at. The very place where God is at. And more and more he's been wanting to show you parts of who he is and eventually to you are able to see him face to face. That communion is not reserved for when you get to heaven. That communion is available to you today. Amen. To you today. There's a special song we're going to have Andrew and Lisa sing. And it's, it's a special song about communing with God, about knowing God, about desiring more of him. I've been studying out the book of Exodus, and it's been remarkable. Over the course of the last two weeks, God has been waking me up at, like, the insane, most insane hours. And when I wake up, I feel tired. But then as I begin to commune with God, I've never felt so alive in those moments where I'm just drinking of this heavenly water. God is calling you to experience what Moses experienced. He is calling you to go through the journey that Moses went through to get to the top of the mountain and not stay where you're at, but to go into the cloud, the presence of God, the fire of God. And as this song is being sung, make it the prayer of your heart as well. They're going to sing, and they're going to invite you to sing as well. May your hearts be open to the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, where are you at today? God spoke to Adam. Adam was hiding from God. When God first encountered Moses, the Bible says Moses hid his face from God. God is calling you to come closer to him, not to stay at the place where you're at. He is missing an experience that he wants to have with you. 
Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, so sitting there in the pew, and I was just thinking about Moses who, when he closed his eyes, Lord, on that final mountaintop, it seemed like the end of an earthly life, Lord, was the beginning again of a brand new chapter. Lord, one where you would resurrect him and take him to heaven. Father, we just thank you so much that when it seems like experiences and moments and chapters in our lives seem to close, Lord, you have a brand new experience waiting for us. Thank you, God, that you love us like you loved Moses, and you're calling us to go higher, to go deeper with you. Let us not be satisfied with this. Let us continue on to know you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.